My text this morning is from the epistle reading that was read, verse 10 of 2 Timothy 2, where Paul says this gives amazing commitment. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Your Grace, Archbishop Foley, Bishop Todd, Canon Paul, people of Christ Church Plano, it's a delight and an honor to be here and to be able to be part of this most significant service. Uh, I also am a Canadian, and uh, I don't take any responsibility for the weather. Actually, I thought this was your hospitality of making us Canadians feel really comfortable. That's how it's lovely to be here and to be part of this service. I want to say that Christ Church Plano has been a place of significance for the whole of the province right from its first inaugural service on June 24, 2009. I was sitting over there about 15 rows back that way and uh, remember it all with great clarity. I remember when Archbishop Bob called for the planting of a thousand churches in five years. I remember the sense of this was from God. And just as an aside, I, I want you to know that though I was here present and was able to enjoy the sense of what God was doing, my wife, who is here to, with me today, but was not here that time, was at home watching live streaming on her computer screen, also had a sense of the presence of God, even on a computer screen. That's how significant this event was. So Christ Church Plano has been for all of us a place of great significance. I also was here for, the, for two uh, Anglican 1000 conferences, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. I, for us in Canada, I'll remember a kind man in Canon David Roseberry showing up in Vancouver in September of 2008, I believe, uh, and there inviting anyone who wanted to come to a special conference, which was happening here in Dallas, uh, that we were invited to come. And I was one of the ones who took him up on his invitation. And so, it seems quite extraordinary to me as the now Dawson Bishop of the Anakin Network in Canada, the, the diocese that Canon Paul Donison served for many years, not just as a associate rector and then the rector of St. Peter and St. Paul, but also the Canon for Dawson events. He led and directed and walked us through virtually all our Dawson synods from 2010 on. And the scope and the significance of his ministry only grew and we perceived it. So that when the possibility of him coming and being here at Christ Church Plano, I was both struck by the significance of this place and this role in this diocese and also the province but also of the potential loss to us as a diocese. But who could stand in the way of what it seemed to us God was doing? And so, friends, I'm here as his past bishop, 
along with Bishop Don Harvey, who was my predecessor, to commend him and his dear family, Monica, Annabelle, Sophie Jane, Erica, and Kira Lee, this whole family to you, because we know them to be people of God. We know him to be a man anointed by the Spirit of God. And I believe, as I know you do, that he has been called to be the second rector of Christchurch Plano and to continue what has been built in this great place. It's wonderful to be here. I also want to say that it's a great joy always to open the Word of God. It's in any situation to have the privilege to stand and open God's Word is a huge responsibility. And uh, I went to bed last night begging God for his mercy, feeling I wished I had a better sermon. And maybe you will later on. But, uh, <laughs> but I begged the Lord for mercy and I'm counting on it uh, as we look at this passage. We're going to look at 2 Timothy. And let me tell you a little bit about this portion of scripture. 2 Timothy is the portion of scripture which is certainly the last part of the canon of scripture that the Apostle Paul, another Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to his young protege, protege Timothy. Uh, a young man that he had the highest of confidence. Described him as, as in a way the only one who genuinely cared for the well-being of, of the church, the people of God. He had, it was, his situation was grim, Paul's in that he was in a dank prison in Rome, no longer in house arrest, but now certainly in this horrific place. Looking down, he was a lawyer, he knew where things were heading, and he knew he was to be martyred soon. And uh, he described it when he said in chapter four, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. His appearing is a big word for epiphany, and we'll be thinking about that a little bit in the future. But, but there it is, Paul's laying it out in very beautiful language, but saying, I'm about to be martyred. He... Uh, He's also writing in a situation where as he surveyed the situation, he described, he said, virtually all of Asia have left me. And when he talked about his court cases, he said he was all alone. He uh, spoke by name some who had abandoned him in particular and set up things that led to his situation as it now was. And even Timothy, who's now in the great church of Ephesus, he knows Ephesus is in a very bleak situation of dysfunction. And when you get to the end of chapter 2, you discover that what Paul predicted in Acts 20 about, about wolves in sheep's clothing from within stirring things up in a negative way, you become aware that that's what's going on. And so you might wonder why in the world would I choose a passage from such a glum, difficult, horrific situation it is because the Apostle Paul, though he faced the circumstances head on, just like Abraham saw his body as good as dead, says in Romans 4. He faced the circumstances, but nevertheless, he wanted Paul, his protege, to understand, and I want this Paul to understand, and all of you to understand, 
what I believe he was saying. He was saying, the gospel stands, Timothy, and you stand with the gospel. That's the picture that I have. And, and I can tell you, I've been living in this portion of scripture, all of 2 Timothy, for virtually a year, and it's just really taken hold of me in, 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 a, in a big way. Now, I just want to say a little bit before we get to the passage to tell you that, for instance, in chapter 1, he, Paul, is saying to Timothy that, in fact, the gospel is eternally established. What do I mean by that? Well, verse 8, he says in chapter 1, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Surely he's talking about the cross which was an offense and a stumbling block, as he said in 1 Corinthians 1. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Here it is. This is what I want you to listen to. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Here it is. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began eternally established before anything was made that was made rooted in the heart of God and in the Son of God remember the triune Father, Son and Holy Spirit he's saying God had already given the grace of God and the gospel of God before anything was made so logically therefore it has nothing to do with what you or I would do or what Paul would do or Timothy do It only had to do with the purposes of God, eternally established. But he goes on in verse 10 and says this. He says, and which now has been manifested, good epiphany language, through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought light and immortality to light in the gospel. And so we discover that in fact, purposed in God before anything was made, given through Jesus by the grace of God, but now worked out in time and space through the person and life and death and resurrection. This Jesus appeared on the scene born in Bethlehem as we know so well, lived a perfect life, died on a cruel cross, but was raised from death on the third day and by it, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light in the gospel. The gospel, Paul is saying to Timothy, is eternally established and therefore is absolutely secure. You can't blow it. You can't lose it. It's it's there. It's a given. And so he goes on and, for instance, he talks about about his own situation. He says, I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. A lot about suffering. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What's interesting is in some versions, it talks about what we have entrusted to him. And in some, it talks about what he has entrusted to us. The point is, both stand true. He is faithful. He is able. And Paul says, I know him. 
It's going to be okay, Timothy, because I know whom I have believed and you have believed. So he goes on at the beginning of chapter 2, and I know we haven't even got to the passage, so hang in there. Uh, he, He says, be strengthened by the grace of God. He says, pass on what you've heard from me. Paul to Timothy to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's, it's like a relay race. And here in this induction service, we have that sense of a baton being passed on from one canon to another canon to give leadership to this great church. It is to be something where he says you're to share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Soldiers only worry if they're good soldiers about pleasing the one who's enlisted them. Single-minded. Like athletes, if they're going to be crowned, they have, to, they have to compete according to the rules. And farmers work hard. And so he gets to the climax, I suggest to you, of this great passage and this great letter. And it's to that that I want you. There are three points that I would like you to remember. And number one is based on verse 8, which says, remember Jesus Christ. It sounds so lame, doesn't it? Remember Jesus Christ. Come on, folks, remember Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus Christ, don't you? And of course we're saying, yeah. And, and I can't imagine Timothy saying, oh. You know, I don't think there was any of that. It was, oh, wow, that's the thing that I've been missing in my ministry is Jesus Christ. There was nothing here that was, in fact, required of him. Paul was not uh, stirring him up to something that uh, Timothy was not keenly aware of. But he's saying, I'm going to keep on prodding and prodding and prodding because of the reason of the significance of this one who is Jesus the Christ. It kind of reminds me of, of Peter, another man who knew he was soon to die. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that putting off of my body will, soon, will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. We heard about that in the gospel this morning, didn't we? And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Remember Jesus Christ. Make Jesus your divine obsession, Timothy. Understand that in fact, it's all comes down to him. He's the alpha and the beginning, and the end, the alpha and the omega. I remember preaching at the theological college I was at, and we had to submit when we were doing it to the prof who taught homiletics, our sermons beforehand, which was scary in itself. Uh, And then he would critique them lest we be way off base before the poor people who had to hear us preach. Uh, And so on this particular one I wrote, and I remember in the first two paragraphs, it was Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he truly said, it's a little bit redundant. It's a little bit, you know, you're carrying on a little bit much. And point well taken, and he probably was right, I hadn't done it very well. But I think the Apostle Paul could have been critiqued the same way. Listen to this of what he said to the church in Corinth. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched 
in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to end to the end, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. You can't say his name too much. You can't love him too much. You can't be too obsessed with him. You can't preach Jesus too much. You can't be, if you get dislodged even an iota from Jesus, you've sold the people you're ministering to short and you have no gospel at all. Jesus. Peter said in Acts 4, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. And as I look across this company of people today, I can tell the vast majority know this Jesus. And to hear his name stirs your heart love and a desire to adore him more. But it's possible that there could be someone here, even in this company, who knows themselves to have been standing on the outside. And I would suggest it would do great honor to Canon Paul Donison if today could be your day whereby you invite the Lord Jesus into your life. It all comes down to him, friend. If that's all you hear today, you've heard the message. Remember Jesus Christ. Make him your divine obsession. Never, ever, ever be dislodged from Christ alone. Verse 9, second point. He says, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. That's his condition. That's his circumstance. But the word of God is not bound, he says. The word of God is not bound. See, Paul not only had a high view of Jesus, he had a high view of his word. God's word incarnate, God's word written. And what he's saying is, it doesn't reduce down to me and my ability to get out and to articulate it as skillfully as I can. It comes down to the word itself, Timothy. And he exhorts him repeatedly. He says, uh, you know, make it your aim to handle accurately the word of truth, which is the Bible, so that you don't need to be ashamed. He says, continue in the word to which you have become wise unto salvation. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word works. That work cannot be held down. Think about all the repressive regimes who have tried by all sorts of means to protect the people so that they never ever have to be confronted with the word of God and Jesus. And yet the word of God gets out. The word cannot be bound. And so it is that, for instance, Isaiah 55, this great passage on the word of God says this, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, to the preacher, you have nothing but the word. Use it. Send it out. Bread to the eater. What's going to satisfy the heart of the longing person, the hungry and thirsty? The word of God. Goes on and says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God cannot be bound. Insofar as you're able, absorb yourself. Make it your home. Dwell in it. Live in it, as it says in John 8. Meditate on it day and night, as it says in Psalm 1. Proclaim it in every opportunity you've got. And then watch God work. Watch the word to get out, because the word cannot be bound. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away, Jesus said. Paul said, when he said, put on the full armor of God, he described the Bible as the sword of the spirit, the word of God. The only thing which is actually of, a, of an offensive nature in terms of the purposes of God is the Bible. So make sure you memorize it, make sure you study it, make sure you live in it, make sure you read it, make sure you sit in a place where you're hearing it preached, make sure you proclaim it because the word of God is where it's at. And thirdly, he says this. So I, I'm hoping you'll remember these points. So I said, remember, Jesus, <laughs> I know this is corny, rely on the word, and I had trouble with the last one, but release the gospel. He says this. He said, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, for Jesus, he lived out a perfect life at great cost. And that's how the eternal gospel, which had already been established before the ages were ever made, lived it out at such great cost. And for the person who attaches himself to his robes and rides on his coattails, the robes of righteousness, clings to him, but more importantly, he clings to us. I, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hands. Absolute security. I'm big on security. This eternally established. But having said that, when we live out our lives as disciples, you can expect a cost. It's costly to be a a disciple of Jesus. How can anything be more understood? Take up your cross daily. How can that be construed as anything but costly? And so Paul is saying of himself, I choose to endure everything for the sake of the elect. Now I don't know how you feel about this, elect, but in fact, the scriptures talk about the fact of God's initiative towards calling a people for his own name's sake. And so it is, I mean, I, what I see in this is God has chosen to use the preaching of the gospel of Jesus as the means of heralding the good news so that people he can bring into the kingdom as they receive it by faith. And what he said, for instance, to Paul in Acts 18, must have been a downtime for him. He must have been feeling worried and downtrodden and fearful because it says in Acts 18, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. This is a good thing for a Paul. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you God says, and no one will attack you to harm you. And then he goes on and says, for I have many in this city who are my people. 
That's the comfort of the preacher. I don't have to stand on my head and by some sort of means bring you in. All I have to do is in a forthright fashion declare the gospel of Jesus and then watch him work because he has a people that he's calling to his own name's sake. Ken and Paul, people of Christ Church Plano, the gospel stands. Hallelujah. It's eternally established. It's absolutely secure. Make sure you're strengthened in the grace of God. Choose to pass him on, but understand there's a cost. And as you do, three things. Remember Jesus. How can you forget Jesus? But it can happen. It so easily can happen because there's a Satan who wants to dislodge us. Remember Jesus. Secondly, rely on the word of God. Let his word frame your life and your ministry and your church and your diocese. One of the things that I, I wasn't so smart as to realize it before, but last night I noticed that it says of this, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Churches for the sake of others. Paul would have been proud and pleased to be a member of that, such a diocese named in such a way because that's the way he saw his life. Release the gospel into a dark world that needs the light of the gospel so much. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we're so grateful. The Father said of you at your baptism, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You made your choice and it stands. And all of that was purposed before the ages began, but was lived out in your perfect life, Lord Jesus, and death and resurrection, ascension, and one day you're coming back. And in the meantime, we want to be about what you're about, calling a people out of a dark world, being transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son. Bless this man of God. Bless this congregation of God. Bless this diocese and this province that we might reach North, North America with the transforming love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.